Listening to Nonstop Rock Talk with Tyson Bryden. Good evening, Steve. Uh, welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. It's really great to have you on the show tonight. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, bro. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Um, I, I, right off the bat, let's talk about the new music, the forthcoming new album on Golden Robot Records entitled Renegades. Uh, the first single, Crawl, did very well, received over 100,000 streams on Spotify. That's amazing. Um, on June 29th, the second single, Well-Oiled Machine, was released. I have to admit that I'm kind of super stoked for this album because I love both those tracks. Oh, man, it makes me feel good that you write them. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really digging them. Um, so from your point of view, tell me tell me your thoughts on the new record. Well, you know, I'm just really happy with the way it came together. You know, the, uh, the band just had a real instant chemistry together playing live first and then writing songs together it, it was just a super situation where everybody the chemistry was so really cool i mean right off the bat it was just awesome being back with kerry nichols and 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 playing having my right hand guy in my rhythm section but that I've had for so long and just one of my best friends but he's such a prolific songwriter too you know writing Ballad of Jean and a lot of the stuff we did in the early years but uh, I feel really great about the way the album came together and I feel super fortunate about getting it done before the end of last year because we had contemplated should we do it this year and we would it would have been nearly impossible Right. I um I actually saw you guys at M three last year, and uh, oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, and and you speaking of that chemistry, as soon as you guys hit that stage, and I was just like, wow. I was just kind of mesmerized. I was like, this is so awesome. Um, and, and that was at that was at M three, Tyson. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that it, it just I tell you, you know, that was the first time we got on a stage together, and. Uh, it just clicked, you know. We only had a couple of rehearsals before that, and we didn't audition. Kelly and I didn't audition a lot of players. We had played with Scott for a while as a bass player, but he's a terrific lead guitar player, and Curtis Hullick is just, he's off the charts. We, we, we just lucked out by hooking up with Kurt. Yeah, I actually, I talked to Scott in the bar that night at the hotel, and I said to him, I was like, I didn't know you played so well, man. You did so, you did great. It was just, yeah. it was kind of like a surprise out of because I knew he had played bass previously, and I, so I, I was kind of talking to him about that, and he kind of said his background was playing guitar and bass and whatnot. So that was really cool. right. Oh, no doubt. You know, I mean, he obviously he played bass with us for a number of years, but you know what? He also recorded some albums with me and Phil too. And uh, during those albums, that's when I saw him playing guitar during those pre-productions. And when we were putting this together, Kelly and myself, we we I just called Scotty up and I said, Scotty, because he thought he might have been out of the mix because Kelly was back. Right. And I said, Kelly, we want you to play guitar. I mean, Scotty, we want you to play guitar. And uh, he was just bowled over. He says, no, um, and he goes, count me in. And it was really a great move in getting him to play guitar because he really is good. He, he just blazes. Yeah, he was he was pretty awesome. Now, has there 
been a, a release date actually set for the album? I know there's pre-orders available, but has the actual date been set? Well, you know, I, I gotta tell you, obviously, and you're really, really aware of this about everybody's dates getting postponed and keep pushing them back and back and back. We have a revised schedule in front of us right now that starts in August up in Montana at Rock and the Rivers, and that's even the August dates are dodgy right now. So that's where we feel fortunate. We were able to do Crawl and now Well Oil Machine in July. If these days keep getting pushed back, we just might do a third single before we release the entire album in the fall. Cool. And it's just something that we, we're going to be doing because uh, we need something to be working with the fans right now. And if there's no shows, we can keep releasing singles. And then we're, we're, we're looking at the fall for the release of the entire Renegades album. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. And it is going to be on vinyl, I believe. Yes, we're going to have vinyl and physicals. And uh, that's going to be a, a gas because Kelly's got a great art, eye for art, too. He yeah. designed, does all the artwork and everything. He does all the merchandise, everything, and the websites. And so, uh, yeah, the physicals look great, too. So uh, we can't wait for the LP and the CDs to come out because we know there's not a lot of sales for those, but a lot of fans want them, too. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I um, I believe the first, the very first LA Guns album I bought on vinyl. So it's oh, called, wow. I know, and I mean, I what was that? 1988. So, and I remember looking at that artwork and thinking, I just looked at that cover because I loved that cover. But um, Kelly's artwork, I mean, that logo looks really cool. I really do, I love that one too. So I'm looking oh, forward yeah, to seeing that big on a vinyl, right? So. Oh, totally, bro. That and our new backdrop made with that new badge. And, you know, we purposely did that. And we really wanted to, you know, we know there's confusion out there. There has been for many years without the end confusion. But they, we wanted to make sure we took the badge that we started out with and just put our own touch to it. And I thought Kelly did a terrific job with it. Yeah, it stands out nicely. Um, yeah. Now, in terms of recording versus past albums, I know budgets aren't what they used to be. Um, right. How do you feel this one came together? Was it like, did it really, you guys had to work quickly with it and just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, it was something that I had never done because usually you have all four or five of the members living in LA and we could work on one day and meet at the studio the next day and and it would be a very easy situation. This right here was not only just a shorter budget, it was four guys living in different areas, Kelly in New York, Kurt in Florida, I'm in LA and Scotty's in Vegas. So I had, we had to really put our heads together and figure out how we were gonna do this because the budget isn't, like you said, the old budget where you could just take your time. So um, we utilized the network for like about two months straight where we exchanged ideas, songs that all four of us had been sitting on, and just the songs, too, that we had that we wanted other people to in the band to throw ideas in to finish them off. So we did a real, real heavy-duty internet pre-production. It's something I had never done before, but we did it, and we bared down 
so then I put the whole schedule together because I, I produced the album and I, I put the whole schedule together too to get everybody out here. And we had done our last first four albums with Andy Johns, you know, the great producer. And uh, I used pretty much the same people that me and Andy had put together for those four albums, the same studios. And we had the guys come out, we did two days of pre-production because we had already done two months on the internet. We knew what we wanted to do. We had 12 songs that we wanted to work on and pick 10 out of there. And we did two days of heavy duty, 24 hour a day pre-productions. And the next morning we went in and started recording my beds and the bases tracks with Kelly and we had seven days of recording so it was like a nine day blitz wow. of doing it old style because I've always read and all of us guys like you too we've always read about the way Zeppelin the way Sabbath recorded in the old days there wasn't old they didn't think it out too much they went in and just put it down and there was pretty much a live situation and that's what we did they were out here for about nine days they ended up flying back home, and I went in with the engineer, and we mixed it for four or five days, mastered it for a day, and it was done, and it was totally old-world recording, and uh, it felt good. I felt like we captured a lot of energy doing that way. It wasn't too thought out, and we, we, we got a lot of really good vibes, and uh, the, like I said, the chemistry between the four band members really helped out huge. It was just needed in this situation. And uh, me and Kelly just were so fortunate that we got Scotty and Kurt because they are so into it and they're just so talented. The two guys are great. Yeah, there was, I mean, just thinking back to M3 and the energy that was on that stage that, that day or night or afternoon, whatever it was. It was a long day right. and I drank quite a few sure. years, so. Um, but I just remember like just paying close attention. I'm like, wow, this is like, I didn't know what to expect you. I mean, you don't know because it's been, it's been so long, different singer, you know, and, and I mean, it superseded my expectations. So that, that was, that was one of the highlights. Yeah. That particular show too, not only being our first show, that, that just opened up so many doors. It went over so well that a major management out here, New Breed with Eric Baker and Bobby Cohen, they wanted to sign us right away. And once we agreed to work with them, they brought us right to Golden Robot Records and things just happened so fast from the M3 show to when we went into the studio that November, four or five months later, it was just like one thing after another, and it was nice. It was a good feeling. Everybody felt good about everything, but it was a really quick turnaround from the M3 show to putting Renegades together. That's fantastic. And now you had mentioned you mentioned working with Andy Johns, and I was just kind of curious about. I I mean, in previous interviews, I've heard crazy like some stories about him and just some funny stuff and i mean just kind of tell yeah. me about your experience working with him oh man it was just tremendous because i i'm fortunate i've been recording for 
a long time, even before I did Kiel and Moss. I, I started like in 75, and I got to work with Todd Rundgren in 1975, and I did a bunch of one-off albums and worked with Tom Warman, and just a bunch of really good producers, Gene Simmons with Kiel. So, you know, I, I got to work with a lot. But, you know, Andy is is in that upper echelon of people that we wanted to work with. He had done so much stuff. So, And he his reputation is, is what you read. He is a crazy rocker, and he is just, he was a character, and we became so close. We actually broke one of his own records. He had worked with so many bands, but we were the only band to do four records in a row with Andy John. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you know, just sitting with all the producers that I've worked with and then working so closely with Andy, I was ready to produce this new album. I mean, I had picked up so much from these great people that I had worked with. And Andy's situation in the studio it's just so cool too and because of you know his knowledge you want to listen to him you want him to give you suggestions you don't there's no talking back and forth and wondering should i follow this guy's direction his suggestions were just spot on and uh his working style too was great he is absolutely one of the old characters from the late 60s early 70s and uh his reputation is that, and it lives up to it too. And he's a crazy, he was a crazy guy. I, I dealing with him too, you know. I'm so sorry he passed away. If he didn't pass away, I'm sure that I would have called him and asked him if he wanted to work on this. And so my second option was to take everything that I learned from him and go in and produce it myself with uh, the same engineer that I used with Andy. So I went to the same studios, the same engineer that we used. And it, it was just, you know, I got to tell you, working with Andy John is one of the highlights of my career. That is amazing. And I, and I just actually pulled out Hollywood Forever. And I was looking at it, and I didn't realize that Kelly had actually played on one of the songs. He did. And you know what? That was in 2012. And yeah. That was when Kelly first indicated to me and Phil that he wanted to come back and play with the band. And I was totally into it. I, I mean, I was totally into getting my, my sidekick back in the ribbon section and one of my best friends. But Phil wasn't into it. He didn't want it to happen for one reason or another. And so it didn't. But that was the first indication that Kelly gave us that he wanted. So what we did was, that was when we flew him out to L.A., he played on one of the songs and he sang backups on a couple of the other songs and uh that was when we should have gotten Kelly back in the band, but it took a while, and I'm so glad he is back with me right now. That's awesome. And, and you did mention Wasp, and, and I was actually, if I ever got the opportunity to, to talk to you, I actually wanted to ask you about this. Um, and this goes back to Wasp and Live in the Raw, and your snare sound on that album. I, I've always right. loved it. I, it stands out like it pops. And but the snare sound on Cocked and Loaded again is loud in the mix, but it's a little bit more subtle and but still directed to right. say. Did you have any input into that, like when they were doing the mix, or is that just how they loved it enough and it just came out that way? 
You know what? That was my snare that I was using through that whole thing. I've always, you know, at one point, I've always used Ludwig Jones my whole life, but during Wasp, I got an offer, and it was just a tremendous offer from Tama to go with them, and, and they were going to do so much for me and for my career as a drummer. And so for three years out of my whole career, I went with Tama, but I never stopped using my superphonic snare drum, my 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 Ludwig Superphonic. And that's what I used through the whole Wasp recordings. And uh I that is my snare sound on it. That 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 is what I sound like live and it it has a little bit of a boing to it, but it's so lively yeah. and uh I love the way it turned out on Live in the Roar. It just it cuts yet it has a it sings too at the yeah. same time that snare sound. And uh yeah, no, I, I and if there's funny stories about Live in the Raw too because that album was done with my drums were live and pretty much a lot of the other stuff was not overdubbed but just patched up in the studio. And uh there's a bunch of live stuff on there. My drums are fully live. I didn't have to retouch anything on the album. But, you know, obviously they went in and they patched up some bass stuff and some guitar stuff and some vocals. And uh, I, we got ribbed about it so badly, too, about that. But, I, you know, when I kind of look back at Live and Run, I still really like that live album. I think that it turned out great. I mean, I, I have a vinyl of that as well that I bought when that came out. And I played right. the shit out of it. <laughs> I will admit, I, yeah. I played it a lot. I loved it. Totally. You know, I mean, uh, it's like, you know, I thought that they really captured us on that. And I'm really glad that I didn't have to do anything to my drums on that album. What you hear on that album is exactly what I played on those shows. And... Uh, there was very, I didn't do anything. I didn't do any overdubs on the drums at all. So that, that kind of felt good too, that I, I, those are exactly what I played is on that album. That's awesome. Now, now speaking of that tour and the, that was the Inside the Electric Circus album. Now going into, right. into starting to, you know, uh, your pre-production and, and whatnot and the, the, the format of the band's changed. Randy Piper's gone and, Blackie switched to guitar. Now, going on tour and getting ready for the tour, did it did it still feel the same, or was it like a different band to you? Uh, no, it was a different band, brother. You know, and uh, if there was a couple of wishes I had over my career was for the original Wants to stay together and for the original LA Guns to stay together. I'm always into the classic lineup, the original guys that came out of the gate together. When we started Wasp and we came out of the gate with Randy and Chris on guitars and me and Black is the rhythm section, that's the real Wasp sound. That is the real thing that he did because I thought that the twin guitar attack from Randy and Chris was just tremendous. One was like Billy Gibbons, the other one was like an Eddie Van Halen type of sound with Chris. Yeah. And when Blackie fired Randy, 
there was a big, big hole left in the band. He was not only playing a lot of lead solos on all those songs, he played the Blind and Texas solo, I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, he was the second vocal on the, the in the band, too. He was that second uh, backup vocal to Blackie, and I was the third, the three of us, but Randy was so important. So when he was fired, it was a totally different band because now you got Blackie on guitar. Yeah. And and it's nothing against Johnny Rod. He's a great guy and he's a really good musician. But the chemistry of the band changed dramatically. So going in, I knew that doing Electric Circus was going to be different than doing Last Command because we had this twin guitar attack. And then Electric Circus, that's Chris doing all the leads. And he's a really, really great guitar player. But and it, it, the thing is, is that what made it so special was him doing some of the leads and Randy doing some of the leads. And that's what I thought always made it special. And with that gone, I knew that Electric Circus was going to be a different type of album. And the chemistry was different. And it was just an overall different feel. And it was the beginning of Blackie dismantling the band. First firing Randy, then firing me, and then firing Chris. And it was a shame because that original Wasp, man, we were good. And I really know we were good, not just theatrically, sonically. We were mind-blowing. We could blow some air off the stage. And uh, I just hated seeing that original lineup disbanded. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw the band in a magazine. <laughs> and it was kind of like probably the first time I saw Kiss. And maybe even more. It, just, it scared the crap out of me. Oh, man. I was 10 I years old. Really... Oh, really? And where did you see us? <laughs> I saw you guys, in, like, I didn't see you live. I saw, like, in magazines and stuff, and I would see Black right. and, and I would see the, you know, the blade on the, and, and the blood and everything. And I'd be like, what the hell is this? And then I know. And then I bought the tape, the first of the first album, and I was like, it scared the crap out of me because the music went along with the image, right? So your imagery of what you're listening to is going along seeing the band as you're listening to it. So sure. I was just, I was just mesmerized by it, by it. I mean, oh man, I know it, it, it was one of the few bands that were theatrically great, and they got so much press before that first album came out. They were on so many covers, and everybody was wondering, if, is it going to stand up? Is the music going to stand up to this big novelty that was going to be on stage? And it did. The music was insane. The four of us played great together. I was doing the Kill, Right to Rock album while they were doing that first album. Yeah. They fired their drama right after they finished the album. Album. So I got to tour behind that first album, and that is when you see us at live at, uh, in London at the Lyceum, that, that, that show that's documented, and that's us on the first tour. So, you know, I was just so into that band. I thought that if we stayed together, we had a long career because we could have toned it down on stage a little bit, but still had this sonic sound that was amazing. And, you know, Blackie was a great songwriter. So, yeah, I just, uh, it, it, that original lineup and the L.A. Guns original lineup, I always look back and wish that they could stay together, but it's not always possible, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, getting back to L.A. Guns, what I also thought interesting, 
what I thought was interesting was like I had the vinyl of Cocked and Loaded and it didn't include I, include I Want to Be Your Man. So I was watching much music one day because I'm up here in Canada and the video comes on and I was thinking, what the hell is this? What album is this off of? Little did I know it was only available on tape and CD. But the interesting part is why the record label would do that. Like they would make a video for a song that was only available on the CD or the tape and not the vinyl. It just, it seemed kind of odd to me. It is odd, you know, and that's they made a lot of odd decisions too, you know, doing stuff like that for a lot of the bands and friends I have out here in LA. And you know, some of it just didn't make sense. It was like, why? Why would you? Why would you go that way? It doesn't make sense. I think the fans are smart enough to know that that doesn't make sense. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of odd decisions like that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and it was it was almost like, oh, so you bought the, the vinyl? Well, now you're going to have to buy the CD or the tape because if you want that song, here it is, which was kind of crazy. Exactly. Right? And, and I, I guess from a marketing standpoint, especially with the way marketing is today, it makes sense. But as a fan, as a, as a 15-year-old kid, you're like, it's not like you have unlimited cash flow to go and, you know, buy the same album twice, right? Exactly. Um, And what I also love about that album is not only, you know, not only the album itself, but the photo on the inside of the vinyl. It's that very gypsy-like photo. It looks really cool and mystical. mystical. Do Do you remember much of that photo session? It kind of seemed to coincide with the feel of Magdalene. Sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. That's cool. Yeah, that's a, it's, I was, I mean, I just pulled it out and I was listening to it. I actually got, uh, and I've said this on my show before, I got robbed last year and I lost about 200 vinyls and my original first two LA Guns albums got stolen. Oh, man. Yeah, and actually Tracy, Tracy had signed them for me. So I, um, I haven't replaced the first one yet. I'm still in the process, but I did, I did manage to get a cocked and loaded from uh, Europe. And uh, it's actually in better condition than the one I had, so I'm kind of happy, <laughs> kind oh, of happy about that's that. Kind of, that's cool. At least you got it back, though, you know? I mean, that's, that's heavy when something gets ripped off like that. It sucks. Yeah, you know, like a lot of the stuff that you've, like, for 30 years, you've been, you know, accumulating and vinyls and stuff like that, you know? And when it gets stolen, it's like, oh, man, just certain things. Yeah, no doubt. That you'll never replace, so. But, I mean, I'm working on it, so I should I should... I mean, I keep it keeps popping up on Discogs for the first album, and I'm just waiting for for the right copy. So hopefully, I can find a really right. really good one. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Yeah. Anyways, Steve, I I want to thank you for uh, taking the time with me tonight, and it was really a pleasure, man. And uh, I wish you all the best with the new album, and I cannot wait for it to uh, to come out and to see you guys hopefully on the road somewhere at some point. I tell you what, Tyson, thanks for having me on. I can't wait for everybody to hear the rest of the album. It's so deep with so many really, really good songs on it. And, you know, obviously it's called Renegade. It'll come out this fall. And um, if anybody wants to check out anything about what we're doing with dates and how they're moving around, there's fun stuff on there, too, with merch and stuff, go to laguns.net and Kelly Nichols runs the site, and it's just got a lot of fun stuff up there, and it'll keep everybody up to date on where what we're doing with these shows this year, and uh, what's going on with Renegade the album, too. Fantastic. Right on. That's awesome. 
Okay, Steve. Well, you have a great night, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you in soon in the future sometime. All right. Hey, Tyson, thank you so much for having me on, brother. You be safe. I'll talk to you soon, bro. You too, man. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.